There is a principle that runs throughout the Scripture that runs contrary to everything in our culture. That means it runs contrary to everything you learn in schools. It runs contrary to everything you see on television, in the media in general. It runs contrary to how some businesses are run. It runs contrary to the books that you read. It runs contrary to even the way some churches operate. And the principle I'm talking about is that principle of paradox. Let me just refresh your memory. The world says that if you want to get ahead, it doesn't matter who and how many people you trample upon to get up to where you set your goals to reach. The Bible said, if you want to be first, become the least. The world said, if you want to become rich, grab for everything you can. And the Bible said, if you want to be rich, give away everything you can. But perhaps there is no greater area in which this principle operates than in the area of brokenness. The world says, don't ever let them see you sweat, right? The Bible said that a broken and contrite heart God will not despise, that there is a blessing in brokenness. And in fact, you see this principle is throughout the Scripture in symbolic terms, and you see it in real terms throughout the Bible. You see it when Jacob became broken in Penel, he was closed with power. It was when the rock of Horeb was broken by Moses' rod that water gushed out and satisfied their thirst. It was when Gideon's chosen 300 warriors broke their jars, symbol of breaking of their lives before God, that light shone and their enemies were defeated and disbanded. It was when Mary broke her expensive alabaster box and anointed the feet of Jesus that aroma filled the room, and He was anointed. When Jesus broke the five loaves and He distributed them and become multiplied and fed more than 5,000 people, when our Lord Himself was broken in His holy body, was broken on the cross, was broken by thorns, and was broken by nails, and was broken by a spear, only then redemption came forth, and you and I are saved today because of His broken body. There are blessings of brokenness that the world will never, 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 never in a million years understand. A down-to-earth preacher put it this way, He said, brokenness is the only diet that will reduce a fat head. (laughs) Now, in this message and in the next, we will examine the prayer of brokenness by this woman, Hannah. Hannah's prayer was a prayer of brokenness that God answered in magnificent ways. God blessed her in a wonderful way. Let me tell you about Hannah just briefly for those of you who might not be familiar with her. Hannah is a Hebrew word which means gracious or graciousness, literal translation. Sometimes the name doesn't fit the character, but in this case the name fits the character, and the character fits the name. In case with Hannah, her name fit her character because she was a gracious woman. She was a thoughtful woman. She was a selfless woman. And uh, as sometimes the case, not always, but you know, you heard it, that no good deed goes unpunished. In her case, 
her graciousness met with taunting and with ridicule by her husband's other wife. Elkanah, the Bible said, is a Levite. The Bible doesn't waste any words. The Bible says he was a Levite. You remember the tribe of the Levite. That's where the priests come from. And uh, Hannah was wife number one. And you say, how do you know that? In the Hebrew, whoever comes first is the first person. So she was wife number one to Elkanah, who was from the line of priests, was a good priest probably to Israel, but he was not good priest in his house. And obviously, polygamy is a clear indication of that. Now, I'm not preaching on Elkanah. I'm going to go back to Hannah. Now, that's maybe a subject of another time. But I just want to remind you that this is the period in which they lived is the time of the judges. What's so big about that? It's very important because it was the time of the judges that people of God were living a compromising lifestyle. The people of God at that time have departed from moral absolutes, just like our time. They were viewing all of the religions that are of equal value. In fact, they went to the worship on Saturday, and the rest of the week they worshiped Baal. They did what was felt good in their own eyes. If it felt good, they did it. It was a time when sin was rampant, even among the priests. And that, again, explains Elkanah's polygamy. Hannah was wife number one. And like all Hebrew women of her time, she had a longing in her heart to have a son. That was just part and parcel of the culture. It was a a deep longing in her heart, but she couldn't. So obviously, like Sarah, the wife of Abraham before her, she must have offered her husband to marry another woman in order to perpetuate his name on the earth. You remember when Sarah did this with Hagar and Abraham, and we're living in a mess ever since? So you ask the question, was she thoughtful? Yes. Was Hannah gracious? Yes. But was she right? No. No. In fact, had she expressed her brokenness to the Lord earlier on in her life, probably she would have saved herself a whole lot of heartburn. The second wife named Penena, we know very little about her, actually, except she had a bunch of kids. And yet, the little we know about her is not very good. (laughs) You know, obviously, she was cruel and uh, ungracious as Hannah was gracious. Uh, She had a sharp tongue, and she used it generously. Uh, She used her tongue like a dagger to pierce Hannah's heart. This taunting of Hannah must uh, have caused her many a sleepless nights. This taunting must have caused her to stain her pillars with tears. It must have caused her to regret ever suggesting that to Alcana a thousand times. She must have agonized beyond description. This taunting must have made her longing for a moment of peace in her own home. I have seen this. It's in the Word of God, and I've seen it in real life many times. Whenever we act in the flesh and not in the Spirit, we judge things by appearance, not through prayer. Whenever we compromise instead of patiently waiting for the Lord, 
whenever we try to improve on the will of God instead of obeying it, we lose joy and we lose peace and we lose contentment. The do-it-yourself attitude will always banish happiness from our environment. But thank God that He is the God of the second chances, that He is the God of the third and the fourth and the many chances. Thank God that He has given her one more chance. So you say, what is important here is to learn the following. Listen carefully. The brokenness that draws you to God, not away from Him, will always be a source not only of blessing you, but a blessing of others. Listen carefully, please. Hannah's brokenness drove her to her knees, not to the bottle. Hannah's deep emotional hurt sent her running to the prayer closet, not toward revenge. Hannah's feeling of rejection and humiliation brought her to the altar of God instead of retaliation. The taunting of of Hannah that she received from Penina drew her to the prayer chambers. Someone called the Bible the gallery of lasting fame. And I would have to say that in that gallery, this gracious woman, Hannah, occupies a very conspicuous place. This woman is truly a wonderful example of grace under fire. So she's a wonderful example of character that is born out of the furnace of affliction. Peace under pressure. Now, I want to tell you a few things about this prayer of Hannah. The first thing I want to tell you about Hannah's prayer is, while no doubt a lot of women prayed in the Bible before her, hers is the very first woman's prayer recorded in the Bible. And I was thinking about how we would be absolutely amazed if we had the records of praying women before Hannah and after her we would be astonished at the incredible things that God did as a direct answer to women's prayer. I'm standing here today as a result of God directly answer a woman's prayer. The man whom we call St. Augustine is a direct result of God answering his mother's Monica's prayer. John and Charles Wesley, of all they've accomplished because God heard the prayer of their mother, Susanna Wesley, who prayed for each one of her children one hour a day. In heaven will be amazed to discover how many men have been carried on the shoulders of women's prayer. Which reminded me actually of a story that I read quite some time ago, that before the surrender of the town of Weinsberg, The women in that besieged cities by the enemy surrounding the gates of the city and the wall of the city asked their conquerors if they would just let them leave with their most prized possessions. And they talked to the colonel in charge, and he gave them permission, and the agreement was made, and in fact was signed. And so I want you to imagine an open mouth of their victors when they saw the good women of Winesburg with the strength that was as great as their love, plodding through the gates of the city with their husbands and sons and brothers carried on their shoulders. How many a wife carried her husband into heaven on the shoulders of prayer? How many a mother carried her sons to heaven on the shoulders of her prayer? 
The second thing I want you to notice here is this. Hannah's prayer was silent. It was a silent prayer. It was unspoken. Her lips were moving, but there were no audible sounds coming. No eloquent expressions. No wordsmith woven uh, in prayer. There, there were no powerful and moving words were heard. The Bible said only her lips were moving. And that is why Eli the priest thought that she was drunk. And he was rebuking her for drunkenness. And she was not drunk at all. It's incredible to me how easily we can misjudge people. How easily we can jump into conclusion about people's lives. How easily we impugn wrong motives on people. How easily we apply formulas that are born out of our own self-righteousness. Then there's a third thing I want to tell you about this woman, Hannah's prayer. She never tried to draw attention to herself when she prayed. Something that a lot of people, when they pray, they tend to forget. Because sometimes when people pray publicly, they really are making announcements. And uh, instead of praying to the Lord, they're making an announcement. Lord, you know, I saw Bob, and Bob told me this, and then we went to saw Joe, and, and then from there we went here, and then we saw this happen, and then that happened, Lord. Well, the Lord knows all about it. Just pray for Bob, whatever it is. <laughs> Dr. Evie Hill tells a story about a church in rural Texas where a woman was praying on a Sunday morning at the tail end of a revival that had taken place in that church. And she started praying, and she got carried away, and she said, Lord, we thank you that we've had a hundred people in this little church during the revival. And Lord, we thank you that ten people were saved during the revival at that time. And Lord, the music was just so wonderful. And Lord, the preaching wasn't bad either. And Lord, and she kept telling the Lord all the things that had happened during the revival, and she got so carried away, she said, and Lord, I just wish you were here to see it for yourself. <laughs> Hannah's prayer was not trying to manipulate people's emotions. Her prayer was not trying to draw people's sympathy. No. Why? Ah, because she knew that there is only one who would answer her prayer, who could answer her prayer, is only one who could meet her most desperate need, is only one who could touch her body, is only one who could open her womb, is only one who can do the impossible. And he hears unspoken prayer. He can sense the agony of the Spirit. He can accurately gauge the sense of desperation. In Hannah's case, prayer was a soul's sincere desire. You know, there's a, a passage that the Apostle Paul in Romans 8.26, he talks about in that verse that really ministers to me and ministered to me throughout the years. He talks about how sometimes in prayer that we have deep groaning in prayer. He said those groanings are too deep for words. I know some of you understand what I'm talking about. I understand what Paul is talking about, because God hears every one of those unuttered prayer. He hears every one of them. And so these are the three things I just want to share with you. And you say, man, that's the shortest sermon you ever preached. Not so quickly. I hate to confuse you. 
I always give you two, three, or four points, things to kind of keep you thinking. But somehow today, without wanting to confuse you, I want to tell you about five things that I want you to meditate upon in the coming week, okay? <laughs> I already told you three things. I mean, you can count them eight and be a long go. But five things I really wanted, those of you taking notice, write them down, meditate on them throughout the week. You'll experience the true blessing of God. The first thing I want you to meditate on is this, and in the time of brokenness, go directly to the throne room of God. Philippians 4, 5, and 6, the Apostle Paul said, let your gentleness be known to people and your needs be known to God. Sadly, I have seen throughout my Christian life that many Christians reverse the Apostle Paul's formula. They will tell of their needs to everybody who would listen, and then they become timid with God and don't ask great things from God. Hannah, in her brokenness, went to the only one who could bind her broken heart. She went to the only one who can answer her prayer. When Alcana, her husband, tried to help out, he made a mess of things. Now, the Bible doesn't say that, but I'm saying that. Okay, let me show it to you guys. Verse 8. Now, verse 8 is for men only. All right? Here's what he said to her. Why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? Even as a man, I want to say, I wish you'd just shut up. <laughs> I think this guy must have been out to lunch. Now, guys, will you listen to me? I'm going to give you a freebie on the house. This is my gift to you. You're not going to like it now, but you will later. I'll put it in your pocket. Tuck it away in your brain. You're going to use it. You'll thank me later. When your wife is down and hurting, the last thing she wants to hear is how good you've been to her. <laughs> and the women saying, Amen. <laughs> when she is burdened with something, the last thing she wants to hear is male logic. Even if it makes a perfect sense to you, it will not help her. Just pray with her. And if she doesn't want to pray, just pray for her. Second thing I want you to meditate on in the coming week is that God used Hannah's brokenness to bless the world. Not just her, but the world. See, often when we're praying for a need, we're all thinking of that specific need. I'm going to confess to you, when I pray for us, and I pray for a lot of people, and I pray for God to do something so incredible within His economy to bless the world through answering that one prayer. And beloved, I want to testify to you that most of my spiritual growth, you know, we say babies have growth spurts. Spiritually, we have growth spurts too. And most of my growth spurts came in the times of my brokenness, not when everything was going hunky-dory. In fact, today I can minister to people far better from the valleys that I have been to than on the mountaintops. Third thing I want you to meditate on. There's nothing wrong with making a vow. Now, some people say in the New Testament you must never make a vow, and that's fine. Look, just take it, 
It's my thing. Toss it away. I'm not saying, thus says the Lord, okay? I want to make sure that you understand when I'm saying the Scripture and when I'm giving you an opinion. There's nothing wrong with making a vow to the Lord. As long as you can be absolutely, absolutely certain that you will keep your vow when the Lord answers your prayer. When people are desperate, they make all sorts of vows to the Lord. But when the pressure is off, they never keep them, and that cannot be very good. So be very careful of making vows that you don't keep, because those unkept vows have terrible consequences. The Lord cannot be mocked, and while He forgives, He does not forget. And God gave her one son, Samuel, with whom He blessed the world, and she kept her vow, and she gave him to the Lord. Fourth thing I want to leave you with as you meditate throughout the week, and it's mostly to parents. Parents, listen to me. It is not enough to just say that children are a gift of the Lord. It's a wonderful, accurate, biblical statement, but it is not enough. You must practice that belief and put it in action. You say, how? By preparing your children to serve the Lord wherever they are. I'm not just talking about full-time ministry. I'm talking about serving the Lord wherever they are. If you tell your children that they are a gift from the Lord, then you must teach them how to offer themselves to the service of the Lord. Five, and finally, when God answers the prayer of your brokenness, don't forget to give Him thanks alone. Not God and the doctor Not God and this and God and that. Thank God for medicine. Thank God for the doctor. But give praise to God alone. Give praise to God often. Give God praise always. Hannah not only praised God the first several years of Samuel's life, but for the rest of her life. She never ceased to praise the Lord. See, human nature, the way it is, we easily forget. We thank God the first few weeks, the first few months, and then we forget. Go to the throne room. Expect great blessings. Keep your vows. Dedicate God's gifts for God's service. Don't ever forget to keep on thanking the Lord. Father, You are an incredibly gracious God. And Lord, sometimes even we stumble because we cannot find adequate words to express the depth of our gratitude for answering prayer of brokenness. Every one of us are a trophy of grace. None of us have anything in which we can brag or take pride in. And we thank you for hearing and answering the prayer of brokenness. Help us, Father, to let the light of our gratitude and thanksgiving for who you are and what you've done to shine so bright in this dark and getting darker world. For it is Jesus that we want to magnify and manifest in our lives. In his name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. 
That's ltw.org.